G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Turning our attention over this coming hour to how we understand the nation considered the worst persecutors of Christians in the whole world. Being discovered to be a Christian can be a death sentence. Christianity is not tolerated at all where secret police carry out raids and monitor school teachers for signs of Christian faith in children. I'm talking about North Korea, ruled by dictator Kim Jong-un. As many as 70,000 Christians are held in prison camps under horrific conditions where few believers ever make it out alive. Well, two special guests joining us today from South Korea and their work in the whole of, let's say, the North and South. The Reverend Dr. Eric Foley is CEO of Voice of the Martyrs Korea. Dr. Hyun Suk Foley, Dr. Eric's wife, is co-founder and president of Voice of the Martyrs Korea. Over the past 20 years, they've trained more than 1,300 churches and Christian NGOs how to build volunteer and giving programs grounded in distinctively Christian discipleship practices. Also joining us is Tony Benjamin, the CEO of Voice of the Martyrs here in Australia. Let me first of all welcome Dr. Foley. Dr. Foley, welcome. Hi. And Pastor Foley, Pastor Eric Foley, welcome to you. Hey, thanks, Neil. Thanks for having us. And in Australia, Tony Benjamin, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Good to be with you. I wonder if I might start with you, Pastor Foley, and just get some sort of impression from you as to the challenge, the big picture of what's happening to Christians under persecution in North Korea. You know, Neil, that's a, that's a, a great question and a broad question that we spent 20 years taking a look at. One of the things that's interesting is we know a lot more now as a Christian community around the world than we did 20 years ago. The uh, impression that people saw a country with a big, big barbed wire fence around it with barking dogs and searchlights blazing and people try to leave getting shot by machine guns. And, you know, there's a I guess you might say that there's a bit of truth in that stereotype. But in reality, we know a lot about North Korea because now there's 32,000 North Koreans who have escaped North Korea. They've come through China or another third country all the way to South Korea and they make their home here. There are more than 100,000 North Korean laborers sent out by the North Korean government officially in many countries around the world, including China, Russia, Mongolia, Southeast Asia, Europe and the Middle East. Uh, what that's done is it's given us an opportunity to be able to make connections, to build networks, and to recognize that the situation facing North Korean Christians is more than just kind of a cartoon cutout stereotype where we might say things are bad. Certainly, um, it's true that North Korea is the worst persecutor in human history, 
But we need to understand what that means, because a lot of times the misinformation that's shared about North Korea actually has the effect of covering up what really is the big challenge facing Christians. So hopefully what we can do today, Neil, is to really get at some good information that's well-grounded from multiple sources, from actual North Koreans, both inside and outside North Korea today, we can recognize what they're facing, and we can talk about the history of the North Korean underground church now that goes back more than three generations. Let me come to Dr. Foley. You and your husband, Eric, have been involved now for many, many years, uh, co-founders, Voice of the Martyrs in Korea. Dr. Foley, give us a little bit of your story together. Uh, I met uh, my husband, uh, Reverend Eric Foley, in U.S. Uh, 20 years ago. And then uh, I thought I'm going to do some ministry, what my husband was doing. But um, two months after our marriage, my husband had a dream and shared with me that we are going to give up everything for North Korean underground Christians. So I was surprised but God uh, made us to uh, into that path by meeting uh, Voice of Marta U.S. right after. That, that's how we began our North Korea ministry together. <sighs> Wonderful stuff. <laughs> Eric, coming back to you, you mentioned there's been a long history, multiple generations of what has been going on in North Korea. And uh, from my understanding, there was revival in the early 20th century in North Korea. And a lot of the Christianity that you see in South Korea today is due to revival that happened in the North. I wonder if you've got some insights into the history. That's exactly right, Neil. Uh, Christianity came into the Korean Peninsula. Protestant Christianity came in the 1880s first in the form of Bibles that were sent into the country. So North Korea uh, or the Korean Peninsula is unique because it's the only country where Bibles actually entered the country before missionaries and people became Christian even before the first missionaries arrived. So when the first missionaries arrived from Europe and the US, what they discovered was uh, people who had come to know Christ through the Bible that had been brought in through smugglers from China. That Bible had been translated, not by professional Bible translators, but uh, by a missionary to China, a man named John Ross. And he had gathered together um, Korean businessmen who had failed in their trade business of doing business between Korea and China. These were businessmen who didn't want to go back to Korea empty handed. So uh, John Ross enlisted them, even though they weren't Christian, he enlisted them in the process of translating the Bible. And it was in translating the Bible that they came to know the Lord. That ends up being a very important fact, Neil, and how Christianity developed inside Korea. It became known as Bible Christianity because from the very beginning, it wasn't based on pastors or church buildings. It was based upon Christ being fully present in his word. And so Korean Christians would gather together in small groups to try to puzzle over the New Testament and understand what it meant to follow Jesus Christ. So before the first missionaries came, to Korea. There were more than 15,000 Bibles in the country. And when the first missionaries arrived, uh, they were met by Koreans who uh, came presenting themselves for baptism. Up until the end of World War II, more than 90% of the Koreans on the Korean Peninsula were found in what is today North Korea. They were found on the uh, surrounding the area of Pyongyang, which is today the capital of North Korea. So when North and South were divided, 
after the end of World War II and Korea was partitioned with the northern half falling under the influence of the, the Soviet Union and the southern half falling under the influence of the Allies, many Christians did decide to come south. And today, two of the 10 largest churches in the world were churches that were founded from North Korean refugees who were escaping that persecution at the beginning of the North Korean state, coming south and planting churches. So really one of the exports of uh, North Korea to South Korea was Christianity. So when people think of South Korea, they know that South Korea is one of the most Christian countries in the world, 25% of the population Christian. We have 10 of the 11 largest churches in the world right here in South Korea, send out more missionaries than any other country, but actually that's all rooted in North Korea. And so today, even though South Korea has more Christians than North Korea, if we were to ask the question, where is the church growing faster, North or South Korea? The answer is North Korea. If we ask the question, where is the church growing faster, North Korea or Australia? The answer is North Korea. But what's growing in North Korea is this kind of Bible Christianity. There are no pastors, no church buildings. There is simply Christ fully present in his word. And that power is what has really taken hold and sustained the church now for going into four generations. Uh, what a wonderful testimony. Uh, you know, the gates of hell cannot even uh, prevail against the church, even when it appears to be the most dreadful dictatorship is trying to stamp out the church. And as you say, uh, pushing Christianity as far from North Korea as possible. I wonder here, uh, of course, when you say some of those churches in South Korea, and for some listeners who might not be so familiar, uh, some of those churches, Pastor Foley, in South Korea is hundreds of thousands strong, even a million strong churches. They're just huge, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. I mean, when we talk about mega churches in some um, countries like Australia or the U.S., we might be talking 15,000, 20,000, 25,000. But strangely, in South Korea, we wouldn't call those mega churches. Mega churches here in South Korea would be literally in the hundreds of thousands so you have a church like Yoido Full Gospel Church, which depending on how you count, is somewhere between 650,000 and a million members. So uh, the, the church in South Korea is huge. But one of the things that's interesting, Neil, is, is that since the 1990s, that church, uh, the total Christian population in South Korea has begun to decline. There's a very interesting spiritual question involved there because it was in the 1990s that we saw the first wave of North Korean refugees, they don't come right from north to south. That would be impossible because that's the most heavy, heavily militarized boundary border in the world. But they come through China. In the past, they would come through Russia or Mongolia. But as they came south, about a third of them had some background in Christianity. They were either members of the underground church in North Korea or they had been evangelized by missionaries either on the border or along the way. But they, they brought a story of the sustained presence of Christ in North Korea, a very different kind of Christianity that we see in the rest of the world. North Korean Christians don't meet on a weekly basis because that's not possible for them. They're not organized according to denominations. They don't have church buildings in which they can meet. It's a completely different picture. And so we've spent the last 20 years both learning about it and sharing about it because one of the convictions that we've come to is that we believe that the North Korean underground church is really a force for revival and renewal in South Korea. We believe the underground church in North Korea and the other countries around the world that VOM Australia works in is a force for revival and renewal in Australia and the US and Europe.
helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Insights today into what is happening in North Korea, considered to be the nation where it is the worst persecution of Christian believers. Special guests today with us on 2020, Pastor Foley, Dr. Foley and Tony Benjamin from Voice of the Martyrs. Let me come back to uh, Dr. Foley. Uh, Dr. Foley, when we think about North Korea and uh, the growth that we're talking about, it's just a surprise and perhaps something we weren't expecting today to hear that Christianity is flourishing under such huge and difficult circumstances of persecution. I wonder whether you've got your own insights here into just what happens when the church continues to grow in the underground church in North Korea? Uh, people might think only from outside of North Korea, uh, everything is impossible to spread the gospel there. But we need to remember God is at work and very active in North Korea, even though there is a lot of persecution, uh, worst persecution, but God is at work. So, for example, uh, this coronavirus spread from last year. People, all the people, they ask me, how, how did you do North Korean work? But actually, my answer is God was work and more active because uh, this coronavirus is spreading and uh, people who uh, in North Korea uh, was not examined or checked up by uh, a security uh, agent. So they didn't. They always came out to check up all the people. That's what communist country do uh, for the Christian. But they stop coming out for check up. You know, if what they do uh, with the Bible or listening to uh, radios, we uh, broadcast a five channel. Uh, they became to listen to uh, this uh, radio gospel radio freely. And then also uh, North Korean houses, three houses together, they supposed to watch each other. But uh, because of this coronavirus, they didn't want to get involved to other people's family uh, better uh, activity. So they didn't do anything. And then uh, all the Korean, uh, North Korean Christians are free to listen to radio, free to see the Bible, free to listen to MP3 players. And then outside of uh, uh, North Korea, there is a border uh, between China and North Korea. We usually uh, uh, give out MP3 players, uh, contain a lot of uh, gospel, like uh, uh, Bibles, audio Bibles, uh, or uh, hymnals uh, in there. But uh, we always went to a manager um, to give uh, distribute to MP3 players for North Korean workers who came from North Korea to China to um, in order to work for their family. But this time, uh, last year when uh, coronavirus uh, broke up, uh, all the uh, North Korean labor workers uh, they were really um, traumatized because last year. Uh, North Korea is the country who shut down the border and then they uh, really uh, feel sad about it. And then uh, China, they were in China, but the China also street was all blocked and everything was difficult. So they all traumatized. And this time God used 
uh, coronavirus to make a manager, manager come to us uh, request MP3 players. It is the first time they came to us uh, for MP3 players. So it is uh, uh, God is working God's history. Uh, whether uh, whatever things happen, we are uh, faithful to God. What God called us to do, and God is moving. God is always moving. We have to follow His plan. So we could uh, distribute a lot of MP3 players for North Korean workers who came to um, China border to work. It's last not. Year. It's not what I'm sure many listeners expected to be hearing today, that the gospel is flourishing in North Korea, even in the coronavirus pandemic. In fact, it's making the gospel spread more quickly, more effectively. Uh, So gospel radio, Bibles and MP3 players. Let me bring uh, Tony Benjamin into our conversation here. Tony, uh, these are the sorts of things clearly uh, that are functioning beautifully, uh, even under pandemic conditions. Is this something Australians can be a part of? Is there a partnership here where Australian Christians can contribute into what's happening in North Korea right now? Yes, Neil, most definitely they can. You know, we're very privileged to work with our sister mission in Korea. And when we get the feedback and we get all our project reporting from them, we are very encouraged by what God is doing through them in places like North Korea, China and Russia and so on. So um, we are very, very big and um, consistent supporters of what the Korean mission does. And the goal is, as I said, when I started with Voice of the Martyrs, is that we would like to build on the relationship that we already had years ago. And that is our goal. And that's what we're trying to do. So Australians can find on our website at vom.com.au. They can find information on what we're doing with our sister mission there in Korea and be encouraged by what God is doing through the ministry over there also. Wonderful stuff. And uh, to hear that the church is growing so quickly in North Korea. Uh, Pastor Foley, if I just uh, touch on this as we're not too far from news, but the idea of gospel radio, uh, this doesn't know any borders when you've got uh, Christian gospel radio. How much do people in North Korea, when you can be shot dead for owning a Bible, and no doubt for one of these MP3 players, how important is it to have gospel radio broadcasting into North Korea? Yeah, it's crucial. When Dr. Foley and I met our first North Korean Christians almost 20 years ago, and we said to them, how can we just support you guys? We're not a missionary organization. In other words, we're not trying to reach North Korea on our own. What we're doing is partnering with underground North Korean Christians. And so we said, how can we support your work? And they told us two things. One was to send Bibles by balloon from South Korea. And the second was to do radio broadcasting in the North Korean dialect Um, particularly uh, sharing the scriptures because radio broadcasting from South Korea is typically done by South Koreans. The dialect is about 40% different. And often that broadcasting is the sermons of South Korean Christians. And you can imagine in a country as wealthy and industrialized as South Korea is, that a lot of what gets preached doesn't make any sense to North Korean people. They really wanted to hear the word and they're willing to pay the price for it, Neil. You know, when we talk about the church growing in North Korea, people need to understand it's not because the government is more open. It's because people realize that the gospel is their only hope in North Korea. Let me come to you, Pastor Foley, because we had to cut short just there before the news. We were talking about the growth of the church in North Korea. 
But the people in North Korea are paying a very high price for that growth. I wonder if you can take us a little deeper into the price people pay. Yes, Neil. You know, a, a lot of times when uh, people talk about North Korea, they, they have a certain sadness in their voice when they talk about Christianity. They, I've heard people say it's the worst place in the world to be a Christian. And interestingly, North Korean underground Christians have never said that. In fact, there was one woman who, um, she was in a concentration camp as a result of her faith. And um, some believers ransomed her out of that camp and uh, brought her to where she could be placed just under house arrest in North Korea. And they were explaining to her that Christians around the world were praying for her and helped her to the concentration camp. And her question she asked was, why? And uh, it was a puzzling question, right? Because you'd think, well, she should be so grateful. But she said, you know, Romans 8.28 works just as well inside a North Korean concentration camp as it does in the rest of the world. That's really the attitude, Neil, of North Korean underground Christians. The gospel is not growing in North Korea because the North Korean government is more open to the gospel. North Korea is as hostile as it's ever been to the gospel. In fact, just this week, new laws were passed that um, made punishments even worse for youth that are participating in counter-ideological activities, which would include, of course, Christianity. So Christianity is expressly illegal Voice of the Martyrs Korea, in the last 20 years, we've had uh, 38 martyrs on our staff, 38 men and women on the Voice of the Martyrs Korea team who have laid down their lives as part of our work uh, in partnership with the North Korean One of our workers, Deacon Chang, is in prison inside North Korea. He's uh, been in prison uh, uh, serving uh, in a, a long time sentence and um, we don't even know his condition because of the fact, of course, it's not possible to communicate with people in prison in North Korea. So when we talk about the openness of North Korean Christians to, for example, MP3 players, Dr. Foley was, was noting that this past year, we've seen such a hunger for that. We actually did double the number of MP3 players this year that we did in all of last year, and we're only halfway through the year. So it's not coming because the government says it's okay. It's coming because people realize conclusively that Jesus Christ is the only hope. And as a part of that, Neil, they're having to pay a tremendous price for that. We certainly do in our work. Um, and um, when I say us, I mean all of our workers in North Korea, China, Russia, Mongolia, Southeast Asia. But, you know, you mentioned um, in, in the kind of intro to your program, you said getting a biblical view on, on world events. Well, the biblical view on persecution is, is that anyone who seeks to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And Jesus said that when we're persecuted, we should rejoice. So we should expect, Neil, that anytime we see a church being persecuted, we shouldn't expect to see pitiful, sorrowful, sad Christians. We should expect to see Christians rejoicing. I always say when I go out to, uh, to speak in other countries, we've spoken in more than 40 countries on North Korea, the happiest Christians I've ever seen in the world are North Korean Christians. Some of the least happy Christians I've seen are in the pews in Australia, in South Korea, in America. They're just the saddest looking people. But North Korean underground Christians, they have only Christ and they've realized that he is sufficient. They don't have our money. They don't have our freedom. They have only Christ. And Romans 8, 28 works as well inside North Korea as it does anywhere else in the world. You know, I think uh, some listeners today, we won't take offence at the idea that you say perhaps in Australian pews some of the saddest looking Christians. We'll take that as an encouragement, Pastor Foley. And uh, it's also a sobering thing when you say 
that of recent times, 38 martyrs. And uh, for listeners not so familiar, people who are Christian believers who've laid down their lives or had their lives taken from them uh, in the service of God, in the service of the gospel, people who have lost their lives in building the kingdom. Uh, That is a sobering thing and uh, certainly worthy of taking a few moments for reflection. And these things are immense pressure on people in North Korea, but things are growing uh, in difficulty even in the South because a lot of the support that's been coming for North Korea has been coming from the South. You've felt the receiving end of the uh, the legal constraints uh, around you too because around this practice of sending up weather balloons uh, with Bibles attached and sending them across the border, uh, there's been a big crackdown on that practice. Uh, I wonder, Pastor Foley, if you've got some insight into what's been happening with one of these very creative ways that you've been able to uh, support the church in North Korea. Neil, when we started um, the, um, the study by the North Korean Human Rights Database, which is a secular human rights organization, indicated that basically 0% of people inside North Korea had ever seen a Bible with their own eyes. As of the end of last year, that number had passed 8%. Uh, how does that happen? It happens in good part because of the Bible balloon launching that we've done now since 2005, where every year we send between 25 and 40,000 Bibles by balloon into North Korea at the request of North Korean underground Christians. That's not a popular activity in South Korea. In fact, uh, that was made illegal uh, this past March, not just Bible balloon launching, but of course other groups do political flyers uh, that they launch from South Korea to North Korea. And so uh, the mood in South Korea is very much against the work that we do. Not only the the Bible balloon launching, but even the South Korean government has talked about the possibility in the future of cracking down on radio broadcasting, like our five radio broadcasts that we do on shortwave and AM radio. Currently, I'm uh, facing three indictments in South Korea for the Bible balloon launching we do. Everything we do is Bibles. We don't do anything political. So the only thing we're sending is Bibles. And uh, yet... In that process, um, that's been regarded as criminal activity. So it's important for people to understand that there is no way legally from any country, according to any medium, to get the Bible inside North Korea. A price must always be paid. In the past, that price was paid by our Russian team, by our China team, but now it's us in South Korea who are paying that price. So Dr. Foley and I regularly in our home are under surveillance. We've had our home broken into more than, uh, well, two times. And uh, our bank account transactions are monitored. We're photographed. Uh, Here in the media, we've been accused of everything from fraud to um, uh, grandstanding. We had to face an investigation where our finances were looked at and praise God, the good news is because we have always voiced the martyrs as a very high standard for financial integrity. And so we were excited to have that examined. And the end result was is that they had to back away from their allegations of financial mismanagement. And the only thing that they could say is, is that the Bible is an anti-North Korean document. And that to us is the crux of the matter. We believe that the Bible, and the Bible that we use, by the way, Neil, it's an interesting story. It was translated originally by the North Korean government. It's known to be the best translation of the Bible into the North Korean dialect. That's a story on its own. But so we're launching into North Korea, the Bible translated by the North Korean government, 
The North and South Koreans guarantee freedom of religion in their constitutions, yet in practice there is no such thing in North Korea. And now in South Korea, we're facing the possibility of up to three years in prison and a fine of about 30,000 U.S. dollars for the work that we do in Bible balloon launching. There are potentially difficult times ahead. Dr. Foley, you've been involved in all sorts of uh, wonderful growth and uh, discipleship training. I wonder whether you've got some insights into how you get into some levels of intensive discipleship. In the last 20 years, I never met anybody uh, from North Korea come to uh, other countries as a, a North Korean worker uh, they they are Christian, uh, so we have to even evangelize. That is the first thing. But the last year before this uh, Corona pandemic, I went to Russia and met North Korean worker. He said to me, uh, uh, "In dangerous situation, we 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 got to uh, see each other only one hour." But at the time, he told me, uh, "I don't believe uh, Kim Jong Un, Daetongyeong." I believe in God. That's shocking to me because I never met any North Korean workers who are connected with the North Korean government currently uh, say that. So I uh, became to have a privilege to baptize him at that moment. And then uh, there's a North Korean defector whom uh, we have uh, trained in South Korea. We take them to the field always so that uh, North Korean uh, evangelize other North Koreans. So uh, these uh, North Korean uh, students we trained who uh, distribute, he gave, gave him MP3 player. This guy, uh, one year he listened to MP3 players right before he going back to North Korea. He said to us, don't worry, I'm going to be in charge of my account. So it was a surprising confession. So uh, these kind of things that happen all over when I uh, go out to the field. So I, what I realize uh, about God is uh, God, we cannot see, we cannot understand from our brain, we cannot feel uh, sometimes, but God is working and God, uh, we have to give up on this human thinking, human understanding, human feeling, and then just to rely on God because God is working to North Korean people. Pastor Foley, defectors, as we've just been talking about there, no doubt they're quite traumatized when they do find their way out of North Korea. No doubt very good to be able to come under some level of pastoral care, uh, evangelism and discipleship when they are defectors. Uh, from what I understand, the suicide rate is very high amongst those who've been traumatized under the Kim Jong-un regime. That's right, Neil. You know, you're saying that this conversation is in many ways surprising because it kind of overturns some of our human ways of thinking. And nowhere is that more true than the life of North Korean defectors. There are organizations whose sole purpose is to try to help people escape from North Korea through China, come to South Korea. When they come here, they're given a very nice settlement package, which includes money, an apartment, job training, and insurance. And they kill themselves, Neil, at the highest rate of recorded history. The suicide rate of death due to suicide North Korean defectors is in excess of 17%. And so it, it surprises people that when, when we tell them 
that Voice of the Martyrs doesn't do defection. People have this kind of romantic idea of an underground railroad and that the goal is to try to get people out of North Korea down to South Korea. But the truth is, is that the best thing that we can do for North Korean people isn't to help them escape to South Korea, it's to introduce them to Jesus Christ wherever we find them. And sometimes we only have an hour, or as Dr. Foti mentioned, you know, she, she and uh, one of our, our uh, students, our missionary training students, our North Korean missionary training students, met this worker, this, this government leader, um, labor leader, uh, in, a, in a very secretive place. They only had an hour. Their goal wasn't to try to find a way to help them escape. Their goal was to equip him to go back to North Korea and, as he said, lead his city, meaning to uh, be able to spread the gospel in his city. So what we say to people is the solution is not defection. The solution is not moving North Koreans to a better political environment. We just don't hear North Korean underground Christians praying for regime change. What we hear them praying for is more of Jesus Christ. We hear them praying for the Bible. We hear them praying for the Holy Spirit. And so um, the solution is not a political one. It is a personal transformation that happens when the Holy Spirit enters uh, a person. And when that happens, they find that, that Christ is sufficient. And uh, Christ is sufficient in North Korea, he's sufficient in China, he's sufficient in Russia. When people come to South Korea expecting that they're going to find hope through a refugee resettlement program, the bottom line is that they don't. So one of the things that we do, Neil, is, is that we operate two training schools for North Koreans here in South Korea. One of those is a personal discipleship training program. We're not training them how to be South Korean Christians. We're training them according to the traditional methods of the North Korean underground church. The second school, Underground University, then trains them to be missionaries wherever North Koreans are found in all of the countries that we've mentioned. What we find is, is that our students find a sense of meaning. They, they, they feel that God has given them a, a reason for coming to South Korea when the only reason to come to South Korea is to escape difficulty, what happens is that very, very quickly people become depressed. We find that, um, the, that they're committing suicide because they just don't find much meaning in their life. South Korea is a busy, buzzing, expensive place. Even if you have a nice apartment and some cash, it's just like our own lives in Australia or the US or, or Europe. Our lives are pretty empty without Jesus. And that's especially true for North Korean people. So our solution isn't to help them escape, it's to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And that, Neil, always brings transformation no matter where a North Korean is found. I wonder whether we might focus on the coming times, uh, the future for North Korea, because uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, it is a dictatorship uh, in North Korea. Uh, there's uh, Kim in, in his uh, you know, latest uh, news reports that I've looked at uh, seems to have lost a lot of weight. Uh, there have been all sorts of reports about his health, uh, those sorts of things. There are others who say he's a master manipulator, plays games with the West and reflecting, of course, on uh, the connections there with the friendship with Donald Trump. Uh, just in these past years. Uh, I wonder whether you've got any thoughts here, Pastor Foley, around the future and what it might hold under uh, Kim Jong-un and his leadership. You know, Neil, you said it perfectly when you talked about the North Korea being masters of manipulation. 
Uh, North Korea studies the international media. They know the psyche of Westerners and how to be able to uh, give a good impression, how to make people both fear North Korea and hope for change. You know, 20 years ago when Dr. Foley and I started our ministry, from that first day, people said, why are you starting this ministry? Don't you know North Korea is going to open any day? Don't you know the North Korean state is about to collapse? Neil, we've heard that every year since we started. And when Kim Jong-un took power, people said, oh my gosh, don't you know he was educated in Europe? He represents a, a hope for change. But what we've seen is simply more of the same. And what we say to people is, is that it's not our job to read the political tea leaves. What we know is God tells us through the, the letter to the Hebrews that all we have is today. And today we're reaching people for the gospel in North Korea. Today, literally today, our ministry is active in all the areas that you talked about, in balloon work, radio broadcasting, MP3 distribution, all of those kinds of things are bringing people to know Christ today. The Lord can, can change Kim Jong-un's heart today. He can, this is what North Korean believers pray for, actually, is not a new leader, but a leader who is made new by the gospel of Christ. And so whatever happens, North Korean believers continue to put their faith not in the political process, not in peace talks, not in a reunification effort. Those things have uh, been discussed now for three generations, and they haven't yielded much fruit. So when the political talk to the politicians, what we know is today, God is opening doors for people willing to pay the price who know that the gospel is the pearl of great price. And for those who are willing to walk through those open doors that the Lord opens, we're seeing a great harvest of souls. So I just leave you with this thought, Neil, that I was speaking at a church in South Korea not too long ago, and uh, they were having a prayerful time of praying for reunification. And a woman said to me, you know, I pray for the North Korea to open so the gospel can get in. And I said to her, that's interesting. I pray for North Korea to open because the gospel that's in North Korea, I pray for that to come out so it can influence the life of Christians in South Korea and around the world. Believers there don't deserve our pity or our sympathy. They deserve our attentive spirit. Pastor Richard Wormbrandt, the founder of Voice of the Martyrs Around the World, when the Soviet Union collapsed, he said that Western missionaries rushed in to try to teach the Russian underground Christians something when they should have rushed in and sat at the feet of those underground Christians who had endured communism, then they could learn a thing or two. The same dynamic is operative today, Neil. God is at work. The gospel is expanding. It's just expanding in unusual places like North Korea, Afghanistan, Iran, Saudi Arabia. The church is alive and well. We shouldn't look at believers there with pity. We shouldn't think that just because they lack our money and freedom or pay the ultimate price that they are depressed or sad and need a political solution. What they need is our attentive spirit. We need to become more like them, not them more like us. Well, it is wonderful inspiration hearing from the two of you in Korea. I want to come back to Tony Benjamin, who leads the Australian branch of the Voice of the Martyrs, uh, leading uh, Voice of the Martyrs here and uh, Australians connecting with Voice of the Martyrs through the Australian office. Uh, Tony Benjamin, we're hearing about Bibles. We're hearing about how gospel broadcasts happen. We're hearing about these MP3 players. Uh, no doubt there is a call for prayer, for support for believers who are behind the borders in North Korea 
But I wonder, Tony Benjamin, uh, what are your thoughts here right now for listeners who are thinking, I'd like to support the good work that's going on with Voice of the Martyrs in North Korea? What are your uh, challenges? What are your inspiration to uh, for, for listeners today to connect with you? Thank you, Neil. Firstly, I would like to say that um, here in Australia, we'd like to lay claim to something very important, which is that the technology that is used in those balloon launches comes straight out of Melbourne in Australia. And, um, you know, when we when we hear of what's going on in North Korea and we get the feedback of the projects that we do support there, we use that as an encouragement and a, a, a call to arms spiritually to the churches in Australia that exactly the way that Eric Foley described it is the message we communicate to the churches here that don't feel pity on the North Koreans or the Afghanis or anything like that. You know, we need to ra- we need to raise our standard to theirs because they are the ones seeing God move. They are the ones that are seeing Christ move and, and, and be active within their environment in spite of the persecution. So what people can do in Australia is support the work that we do with our Voice of the Martyrs career, brothers and sisters, and the amazing reach and the amazing commitment that they show day in and day out. I don't know of any other ministry that we're a part of that has had that many martyrs in their part of the world that they function in there in South and North Korea. So, you know, I just want to commend them for what they do. They are an amazing couple. They do good work. And we owe it to them to support the work that they do in the name of Jesus. And I think when you look at our website, you'll see a lot of information. There's a lot of resources. What what is not on there, send us an email and we'll be able to help you with information and resources so that we can play our part in equipping the work that Voice of the Martyrs in Korea are doing. As you say, Tony Benjamin, we need to raise our standard to theirs. That's challenging. That's worth reflecting and thinking deeply about. Let me give the website for listeners today to support the good work of Voice of the Martyrs the good work that's going on behind the borders in North Korea, vom.com.au. That's the Voice of the Martyrs website here in Australia. There is a Voice of the Martyrs website for Korea, vomkorea.com. So they're easy to remember. Let me just quickly mention some books. Pastor Eric Foley has written books, Coach Your Champions. Another called The Whole Life Offering, Christianity as Philanthropy, and These Are the Generations. And some books written by Dr. Hyun Suk Foley, uh, Dr. Foley. She's the translator of numerous Christian books and resources, including Prasso, Self-Counseling Materials, The Peacemaker Ministries book called The Peacemaker, and These Are the Generations, which details the story of third-generation underground Christians in North Korea. So, VOM dot com dot au to connect with voice of the martyrs pastor foley dr foley and tony benjamin thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020 thank you neil thanks neil thank you thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au